Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everyone. This is Rafael Hernandez, and you are listening to Believe in Barcelona. Once again, big thanks to Bet Online for making this podcast possible. My sincere thanks to them and by all means go support them too because if you do that you're going to be supporting this podcast too thank you very much so after a, a long pause a long pause to this podcast it's time to basically discuss the the two big summer tournaments that took place i have to be honest guys i didn't expect the tournaments to be any good honestly from the bottom of my heart because Euro 2016 was absolutely atrocious. I only have bad memories from that tournament from the start to finish and of course the way that it ended too wasn't any good for any for any Messi fan I would say or maybe just anyone that enjoyed football I would say that France deserved to win the final. Griezmann was incredible for the whole tournament so it was all very unfair. Uh, Copa America wasn't so unfair in 2019, but it wasn't that good either. And we uh, we we had the refereeing incident in Brazil and Argentina, which was very dishonest, and it led to Messi speaking out and get getting banned for some matches too. So overall, my expect my expectations were very low, and thankfully, I was proven wrong and. Consider me absolutely thrilled because this was the best summer for football since the 2014 World Cup, in my opinion. It was absolutely spectacular and it's really hard to to actually picture this, but it's been seven years since the 2014 World Cup and it really feels that it happened just, uh, just a few short years ago. It's, it's crazy how how time is passing quickly and if you add the pandemic sometimes uh, I actually feel that we are still at the beginning of 2020 and we are already in the middle of 2021 so there's that too basically on this on the on the final edition of Believe in Barcelona season one I will be discussing the two tournaments and of course I have to begin things with Messi and Argentina at the Copa America. It was redemption at last, guys, and I really couldn't believe it. I I really didn't believe it this was possible because Scaloni isn't exactly a very good coach. He was just a stopgap solution that the Argentine FA put in place. Uh, but overall, the, the whole performance of Argentina as a team was actually incredible. I would say this was the first time since 2014 that I felt that Messi had a team, a united team behind him, a very cohesive team and of course no Higuain to, to actually ruin everything again. So overall I was really surprised by Scaloni and how he, he built the The whole the whole thing he was really clear in his ideas he he didn't call some very specific Argentina players too which was good and he actually insisted on Di Maria when many of us would actually like to never see him in an Argentina shirt before the final 
And overall, of course, the main thing here is Messi. And his redemption was amazing because Messi simply dominated yet another Copa America. He was the top at every kind of attacking statistic for the whole tournament. He was absolutely incredible. He has had some good tournaments for Argentina, absolutely. He has been elected three times the best player of Copa America and once uh, of the World Cup, it's, which is something that no, no, absolutely no footballer in the history of the sport has had ever achieved before Messi. Pele had two MVPs and he is the, the closest runner to Messi. So just absolutely incredible to see this. And of course, to finally see Messi rewarded for his efforts with Argentina. We we have all lived through his suffering since the beginning, his disappointments in the 2020 World Cup with that mess led by Maradona and the big disappointment uh, in 2014. And of course, the two penalty shootouts against Chile and this whole thing. It really, it really was demoralizing. It really, it really was disheartening, you know. But he actually came on top, and it shows why he's the greatest footballer of all time. He never stopped trying. He was trying until the end. And to think that after over, all over fifteen years of fighting, he finally lifted his first trophy with Argentina, and it was incredible, honestly. It took uh, it took a few few days for it actually get to me. You know the real feeling that Messi had finally broken the curse. Argentina finally lifted another trophy for the first time in twenty eight years, almost three decades, and that's absolutely ridiculous because Argentina had great generations since that nineteen ninety three Copa America that they won, and it's. In the whole context, it was all a lot of bad luck, many bad decisions by the the Argentina Football Association and the call-ups too and the coaches, the mess that was Sampaoli for, I think he is the best example because he was something, he was someone that actually carried our expectations and he absolutely crashed and burned. Um, I'm still, I'm still at disbelief of what happened in 2018. So, overall, long time coming for Messi. And you could really see on his face at full time, he was on the ground crying. And all of the the whole of the Argentina players actually ran to hug him and lift him in the air. It was one of the best moments in Messi's career because everyone was fighting of course for the for the country they wanted to win a, uh, the trophy for the country but this was also personal for Messi and it's good for us to recall that some of the the players in Argentina's squad actually grew up watching Messi on television you know and it was simply a dream come true to actually live uh, they actually witness it, maybe on pitch, maybe on TV, te television, Messi's disappointment. And then they went, they played alongside Messi and they won a trophy alongside him. And I, I really, I, I just don't have words because it was, it, it still is surreal. Everything and Messi hugging Neymar and Scaloni to hugging Messi. 
and messy talking. The first thing that he, he did, he actually called his father on FaceTime and talked with him. And then he talked with his wife and his children. It's, it's just messy in a nutshell. He's the greatest genius that ever played the sport. But he's just a normal guy like any other of us. There's no lies behind him. There's no obfuscation. There's no illusions. It's, he's, just, he's just messy. He's just, a, he's just a normal guy that is actually the best ever. It's the biggest sport in the world. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous when I say it like that. But we know it's true. And... The way that Messi actually won the, the Copa America too, uh, against Brazil and at the Maracanã. And Brazil only lost once in 107 years of history of playing at the Maracanã. And they did in the 90, 1950 against Uruguay for the 1950 World Cup. So the biggest upset in football history without a doubt. And to think that Argentina would actually go play in Brazil and beat Brazil at their the most uh, one of the most if not the most famous stadium in the whole world that was staggering it was a miracle and i would say that the way that the victory came was even more satisfying when you take into consideration that Messi basically he he had to beat all of the best teams in South America to do it Uruguay and Colombia too was really tough and to think that Brazil was the last one in line to to win it like that I I really don't have any words it it was the first defeat Brazil suffered at the Maracanã in a competitive and official match in 71 years guys and what an achievement that was I I just I just cannot say this enough and Argentina of course are now the joint top winners with the most Copa America titles alongside Uruguay too and I'm sure that it's quite a relief too because Argentina actually dominated Copa America between the beginning of the last century and 1950 so between 1959 and Now, before Messi actually won the work uh, at the Copa America with Argentina, Argentina had only won the, the competition twice in 70 years too, actually 60 years. So it was really unthinkable the way that they did it. And it's not an easy, easy competition. People can say whatever they want. They had to beat uh, Brazil against all odds at the Maracanã. And Argentina are not... Uh, a thing that is used to winning a lot of big trophies. They hadn't won anything yet this century too. So yeah, a long time coming and we just have to enjoy this a lot. It was stunning and really it's one of the, I would say it's the happiest I have I felt in a long time watching the sport. It was, you could really see on Messi's face how much it meant to, to him and... Honestly, I just wanted to see Messi smile. I think I said that a dozen times on social media. I really wanted to see him smile. And we got that, guys. We we won and we should cherish this a lot. And, of course, I to cap things off, I want to praise Messi's teammates because for once his teammates did not let Messi down. Otamendi was incredible and Montiel too. And you had, of course, Emi Martinez 
who actually waited over 10 years since he joined Arsenal to actually play a match for the Argentinian national team. And he came and he became the starter right away. He was incredible in the penalties against Colombia. And not only that, but he made key saves in the final two. He was a real leader. He said, Amy Martinez said it himself that he wanted to win the cup for Messi. And the way that Messi hugged him at full time too, which showed a lot of passion between these guys. They they were fighting together for something that many of us had given up and they did it. Same, I want to really praise Di Maria too because Di Maria got injured against the Netherlands in 2014 and never managed to play the, the final against Germany. Maybe if he had played, things would have been different. And he came there and he scored a stunning goal. He actually redeemed himself too because... He was a botter in many of our views until that fantastic goal. And of course, I would say that the standout performer of the final was without a doubt the ball. The ball was absolutely fantastic in possession. He was calm in the, uh, with the ball and he showed basically everything that Argentina lacked in every single final that they played with Messi. And the guy was incredible. He had a lot of space to work with because Titi really focused the Brazilian marking on Messi. And the ball was cold. He was cold as ice. He was incredible. And he he deserves a lot of praise. He was the second best footballer in the Copa America after Messi. And I would put Emmy Martinez right alongside him. So this is it, guys. We finally saw Messi winning a big trophy for Argentina, a very meaningful one. And to see that we actually saw footballers that never even played with Messi all over the world actually celebrating and congratulating him on social media. You could really see how much it mattered. And it, it didn't only matter to us, football fans, Barcelona fans, Argentina fans, but to footballers too and everyone else. And that was fantastic. And now to the Copa, uh, to the Euros, 2020 Euros, which actually happened in 2021. Um, I'm really curious why they didn't change the the nomenclature of the tournament. It would uh, it would have been less confusing for people in the future to talk about a tournament that was named after 2020. Actually, happened in 2021, but whatever. I digress. Honestly, the Euros were amazing. It had many cracking matches and we had France collapsing, which was fantastic to see. We had Portugal going out early, which was great too. And aside from that, we had Spain growing to the tournament, which was amazing. And Denmark surprising everyone and uniting after the that big scary Ericsson and actually reaching the semi-finals and of course we had Italy coming to it together actually surprising everyone and winning the whole thing which was fantastic too I really enjoyed that and it's interesting because I would say that Roberto Mancini is one of the most underrated coaches of the last 10 years because the guy actually took over Manchester City and not only won their first title since 68, he actually won their first league too in a very long time. And 
in the most dramatic uh, way possible. It was the Aguero moment, as I'm sure everyone recalls. So he actually did a wonderful job and at Internazionale de Milano before going to City too. And after Italy was completely ruined by not going to the 2018 World Cup, he had a very tough job to actually take over Italy. And he spoke right away that he wanted to put Italy back where they belonged. And the Euros were the, was the first uh, step for that. And not only he did that, he actually won the whole competition. It was fantastic to see it. And... It's also red redemption to Chiellini and Bonucci too because they had big disappointments in European finals. First in Italy when they were uh, for Italy in 2012 when they were trashed by Spain by four goals and of course the two big Champions League final defeats for Juventus in 2015 against Barca and 2017 against Real Madrid which, which they crumbled at halftime with that whole fight between Bonucci, Dani Alves and Allegri and the rest of the team. So long time coming for them too. The first Euros win for Italy too in over half a century. That was great to see too. They 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 really deserved that. It it was coming as much as it did for Argentina. But the way that it actually happened I would say that no one expected that because you you could see that I would say that the Italy starting 11 is actually a good a reliable starting 11 but the kind of players the backup their their backup their bench is actually really weak and he actually brought players like Cristante and Bernadeschi in into the final and honestly when you see that these players that don't they don't have much quality in my opinion and they used to have a lot of potential, but they don't. They really didn't fulfill it, and they actually, Cristante they actually played a, a good, a good part in the the key part in Bonucci's goal to equalize against England, which was fantastic too. And you had Verratti. Verratti for me was incredible. It's the first time that the the little man actually steps up, and he he didn't hit himself in the final. He played very well. He played well. The whole tournament after he recovered from injury which made him miss the first two matches and you had of course Barella who is a big uh, he's a big uh, review coming through much like Chiesa and these two guys were under the radar for many football fans but they aren't anymore these two are going to be big big stars Chiesa was the one of the biggest surprises of the tournament in terms of footballers and it's clear that Chiesa is actually Juventus' best, which he already showed in the matches against Porto, where Cristiano was nowhere to be seen too. But not only that, but it's interesting because I've, I've debated this before on social media that I said that the, the Italian league Serie A isn't as good as it was before. And I stand by that even with the, with the big Euros win. But the, the mentality in Italy is really changing. They weren't just sitting back Catenaccio in the, in, in, during the whole tournament. They just struggled against Spain. And Atalanta too has been a real, a real, uh, a real uh, trailblazer in that terms. Atalanta play very 
expensive proactive football much like Sahis Napoli once did so the mentality the football mentality surrounding Italy is evolving and it's fantastic to see because you could see that Guardiola changed football in the entire world and of course he affected Spain first and then he changed German, uh, German football too and now of course we see the changes happening in English football and Italian football too it's not a coincidence and credit to where it's good too sometimes we forget the impact that Pep's, uh, uh, Pep's Barca had in the whole of the football world and it was really good to see Italy playing a different way and I would say that they still have that tough defense you could see by you could see it in Kielin and Bonucci they're really warriors but at the same time you had actually you had offensive fullbacks like Spinazzola which he was one of the big surprises of the tournament too the guy is really talented and it's really a shame that he got injured because he was on his way to maybe be actually elected the best player in the whole tournament so yeah, the, the evolution of Italy, Italian football has been fantastic to see. And and I have to mention to Donnarumma, he, he's, unfortunately he's going to PSG, he's going to a league that few people are going to watch him. And he's going to pay, he's going to play very few relevant football matches per season for years to come. But overall, the guy is really special. He was incredible in the penalties against England and Spain too. He he's not only very he's not only big, but he's very agile, and you can see that he has a a very calm mentality too. He's very stoic. He's very patient, and that is really contagious to it contagious to his teammates too and it there it was really funny to see him actually stopping Saka's penalty and not celebrating because he didn't know if Italy had won it or not it, it was really an awkward moment uh, to actually finish the Euros but overall just really special and I'll keep talking about Italy because there's a lot to be said I could I could I could attack Southgate or praise more Luis Enrique for his great job in Spain, etc., etc. But I want to focus on Italy here because I'm talking mainly, mainly about the champions. So it was special too to see Mancini actually winning one of the biggest trophies in football at Wembley. Because for those that don't know, uh, Mancini was actually in 1992 playing for playing for Sampdoria against against Barcelona and of course Koeman scored and Barca won its first uh, European Cup and it was really traumatizing for him and Viali who was, uh, who was on pitch too and Viali was his assistant coach for Italy now and Viali missed miss many many big many big chances too in the final and Barcelona ended up winning on extra time as I'm sure everyone knows so big redemption for them too it's just the summer tournaments of redemption basically and to see them hugging at full time after they won they rose and crying it was really emotional just 
just special to see and this is exactly the kind of thing that I love about the sport it always gives you a second chance and a third chance a fourth chance you can always try again next year and of course like a footballer's career is not eternal you have maybe 10 to 15 years at the top level and you have a lot of things beyond your control so to actually see Mancini ending his career as a footballer becoming a coach and then a long time after he became a coach, actually winning uh, something big for his country at Wembley after the big disappointment with Sampdoria at at Wembley was really was incredible, and I think this is going to bring a lot more respect to his to to his name. And aside from that, I want to comment on my choice for the the best eleven of the Euros. Donnarumma is the is the easy. He is obviously the the best goalkeeper of the Euros because of how he was fantastic on the pen on the penalty shootouts against England and Spain. And not only that, he was really secure on goal. He he was just a perfect complement to to the rest of Italy's backline. He has to start, but I I want to to say that Sommer was absolutely incredible too for Switzerland, and he deserves a mention here. In terms of right back, Walker was the the easy pick here. The guy was incredible. He didn't make a single mistake from the start of the tournament until the end. He was one of the best players of the tournament. And it's interesting because I'm sure that when you think about Walker, you start thinking about big mistakes, right? He has made some big mistakes playing for Guardiola. And he is really growing as a footballer. He's becoming a lot more mature and this is really great to see that Pep's coaching is working and he's maturing as a footballer and becoming better and better. It's really, it's, I, I don't think this, if this parallel is completely fair, but I would say that it kind of reminds me of Abidal with Guardiola. He, Abdi, kept, kept getting better with Guardiola until he got where he was in the future. At, at his best, he was one of the most reliable left backs in the world at some uh, at some point when in the in the final in the two final years of Guardiola uh, Pep's Barca. So the the back line I have to include Chiellini because he was incredible too and he he was the the big captain in this in the at the heart of Italy there at that that incident with him hugging Alba before the penalty shootout against against Spain was really funny and he showed that he, he really showed that he has a lot of a lot of metal there and not only alongside Chiellini I want to put John Stones rather than Maguire because John Stones had an incredible season for Manchester City he basically went from becoming from the guy that every Manchester City fan Wanted, wanted to ship off back to Everton to one of the best centre-backs in the world. It was really incredible. And he didn't make a single mistake too for England. He deserves a lot of praise. And of course Maguire too. But I want to, pr- to put stones here because he won more. And he's really overlooked and everyone was already praising Maguire after all. And of course, for left back, you have to you have to put Spinazzola. He was a he was a big reviewer of the tournament. I would say that Italy would have won the Euros more easily if he hadn't been injured. It was a really really tough injury. He's going to be he's going to be out for over six months, and I wish him all the best. 
and it was fantastic to see the the Italian players actually letting Spinazzola receive the first winner's medal and the the unity of the whole Italian camp was fantastic for the middle of the pitch I'm going with Busquets which is a which is a player that we have sometimes been guilty of thinking that he is finished but he was incredible his tournament for Spain was really fantastic he came out good and I would say that he perhaps he he would have gotten more credit if Spain got to the final but Busquets is always an overlooked player he always everyone simply forgets how good and consistent he is and that's why I'm putting Busquets here instead of Jorginho or whatever really and Pedri of course he was the young player of the tournament and the way that Pedri actually played the whole tournament was fantastic Honestly, he was good for us during the season with Koeman, but the way that he played for Spain, he was incredible. And this guy is 18 years old. He he is going to he is going to become the one of the world's best players. I'm sure of that. And what more can I say? I think that I I don't I don't like the comparisons with Iniesta, but he could become a very special. Uh, midfielder for the next 15 years at Barca and I'm really excited to see that and to finish the midfield I want to of course include Verratti which he as I said before he finally stepped up big time he stopped just hiding when the pressure was on and he was really really good and what more can I say he didn't make us uh, he didn't make any mistakes he was impeccable and that's why too uh, that I put him ahead of Jorginho and for the for the attacking line, Sterling really had me surprised because he had a really poor season for Manchester City and he came out big for England. I would say that England doesn't even get out of the group stages if it's not for Sterling. He completed the most dribbles in the tournament. He never stopped trying. He's never stopped running and dribbling. And he was the main source of creativity for England. And... I'm still hurt about the, the Champions League final, but he deserves he deserves to be in the best eleven. As a centre forward, I have to to put Patrick Schick because he got us all he he got us all uh, by surprise and he scored that fantastic legendary goal from the middle of the park too and and he was the Euro's top top scorers too. It's simply not we cannot just not include him. Uh, Kane was really left wanting in the final, for example. Cristiano left the tournament too soon. Same for Lukaku. So he's the main pick. And of course, the final attacker has to be Chiesa. He was the source of all Italian creativity going forward when Berardi and Immobile weren't doing enough. And he's going to become one of the one of the best players in Italy and maybe the world soon. So... This is my 11. I'm sure this is going to generate a lot of debate, but of course, these are, these are subjective. These are just opinions. And I already heard a lot of, a lot of, a lot from people on social media when I listed this 11. So let me know your opinions too. So, guys, this is all you're getting for me today. This is the final episode of the first season of this podcast. I have learned a lot since I started doing this. It's been less than a year, but I've learned a lot. And I plan to make some big differences for the second season. So, please look forward to it and see you soon on social media. 
I also want to once again thank Bet Online for making this podcast as as it is. Just thank you very much and see you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.